Bereshit Bera Elohim. Et Hashemayim. Ve'et Ha'eretz. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You can be opening your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. And uh, welcome today on Mother's Day. God bless all you moms uh, and those who have moms. Uh, I think that's everybody in here, right? Um, we want to bless our mothers today and, and uh, are thankful for them. And, uh, and that points us uh, back to Genesis, doesn't it? Uh, male and female, he created them. And uh, he, to keep everything going, he had to make a male and a female. or That's what he did. And so it takes both. And so we are so uh, happy we got to do uh, this parent dedication. It's, we call it baby dedication, but uh, the baby doesn't even know what's happening. We're asking the parents to, uh, to, to raise their children to, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And it's always an exciting time to do that. And, and I'm glad to do that. Just as a general announcement, um, you might want to pay attention to this. There won't be anything happening tonight. Um, Mother's Day is Mother's Day. We're going to go enjoy our moms and uh, or uh, get together with uh, those that we love and care for. And so we're going to be together that way. Um, and uh, so that includes if you're on the council and you're in here today, we're not going to meet at four. Our pastor's council has been meeting every Sunday at four for some discipleship time together. And we've been enjoying that and uh, part of a longer range plan. I've got a spider crawling to my mug right now. And uh, y'all might think I'm cruel if, cruel if I kill it, so I'll just leave it alone. Um, anyway, I just, I don't know why God does that to ADD people. I just really don't. But anyhow, um, no, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, he won't eat much. Uh, anyhow, uh, but, but we've been in Genesis, and, and today we're coming to the end of the reign of the flood and the beginning and even the washing away uh, of the water off of the continents. And the earth. I've got a mint in my mouth. I put it in too late, I guess. So I hope you, that doesn't distract you. But today I'm calling it the aftermath. This is what it, it happens immediately after the, the rain and the flood. And, and so we want to we look at that. I, I can't imagine. I mean, this, this took over a year. Uh, they are on that ark for 370 some odd days total. Uh, we think of, we've heard so many times 40 days and nights of rain, and that's true, but so much more was happening. It took over 370 days for everything before Noah got back off the ark. And I just can't imagine being on there that long. Like, when is this going to be over? I mean, you know, uh, if, you, if you were stuck on that ark, that would be a tough thing. I, I and, and, and then when you think it's over, the rain stops, you're still on the ark for 150 more days. And then 150, you're on 150 days in the storm, then another 150 days, plus other time in there. It, it just it could be crazy. I, I remember the first time it, um, I, I ran the Cooper River Bridge run in Charleston. And I haven't done it in a long time. Couldn't do it right now. I've had to. But, but I was younger. My brother-in-law said, hey, I want to run this race. You want to run with me? Sure. And for us, it wasn't a race. It was just a run. It's a 10K run. And it was over the old Cooper River, well, the new old Cooper River Bridge, or the old new one. There's been three bridges, so it was the middle one. We, we ran over it. That was a two-mile bridge. Ran a mile to get there, two miles over, and then three miles afterwards. And, and uh, so I was running, and the Cooper River Bridge, I mean, you got to understand, on the coast, the land's pretty flat, especially on the east coast. I grew up in Charleston. It's really flat. When Janice and I were in Suffolk, the home we owned in Suffolk was the highest point of land in Nansman County, which is now the city of Suffolk. 19 feet above sea level. 
I was telling Pastor Bobby this the other day when we were topping a mountain at 3,500 feet. It's just, it's just a different world, you know. We got uphill, downhill here. There, not so much. In Charleston, same thing, flat as a fritter. And, and uh, so we take off running. I've never done this before. I'm running with my brother-in-law. We run a mile, get to the foot of the bridge, up that big span, back down, up a big span, and back down. I was so excited. I was like, man, I'm glad that part's over. And he said, it's not over. There was an exit that we had to run off of to go downtown and run the last three miles. And it was a slight uphill. And in my mind, it was done. Have you ever been doing something and you had to stop? And then, oh, I've got to get back at it. And then you can't get your body to work. That's how it felt. It was like, oh, no, I hadn't mentally prepared to get there. I'm just wondering, how did Noah stand this for so long, not knowing where is the end? I, I read somewhere once, one, one of our uh, elite military forces, the, one of the final tests to, to be accepted into them, uh, they've done a whole lot of things. And it, toward the end, they give them this, we're going to drop you here. This is where you got to get to. Gives them the map coordinates, all that stuff. And then says, go. And they say, how long do we have to complete this? You know, because you got to, you know, there's a time limit. You're supposed to get there by this certain time. And they shrug their shoulders at them. They don't give them a time limit. They just want to see who will work hard without having any hope of an ending. And here's Noah on this flood, in this flood, floating around in a boat, wondering, I'm sure, is it ever going to get over? Do you know that's, that's part of human nature, right? In, in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, in heaven, you see martyrs, if you read the book of Revelation, and martyrs that have, that have been killed for their faith and have gone on to heaven, crying out to God in heaven, how long, O Lord, before you fix all of this? And he tells them, be at peace, be still. I'm going to take care of it in just a little while. And so it's part of our human nature, want that problem to be over. We, I'm sure there are people in here, you've got a struggle, you've got something. Maybe it's chronic, maybe it won't go away. You know it won't go away. That's, that's what we learned from Paul. Paul asked God three times to remove a difficult thing from him. And the third time, God says, no, I am enough. My grace is sufficient for you. Some of you may be under a load and a burden that will never be relieved, but God will give you grace to go through it. Some of you may be, whatever it is that is hard that you're going through has an ending. But it, it, it's, it's, it's really difficult for a human being to endure when he doesn't know where the end is. And I think about that here in chapter 8 with, with Noah. The rain stopped. That's good news. But now they still got a whole lot more to go through. And that's what we're going to see. And so here's what I want you to take home with you today. I want you to stand up. And while we're looking at that, I want to read this verse to you. Go ahead and stand up with me if you can. In verse 1 of chapter 8, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and the livestock that were with him on the ark. I just want that first phrase. But God remembered Noah. And then down in verse 20, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we can trust every syllable of every word, every letter we can trust. 
that you mean for it to be there. God, we ask that you would help us to understand your word today. Open our eyes of understanding, our hearts, to receive what you have for us. Lord, speak to each one of us through your word today. And may Jesus be glorified. May the Father be glorified in the Son. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want you to take home with you today. God remembers us. You should remember the Lord. And the reason I want you to understand that, I want you to understand that word remembers in this text. It's not like God misplaced Noah. You know, God wasn't in heaven going, now where is that Noah guy? Or, oh, there's Noah, I forgot about him. No, God, of course he remembered. Of course he knows that. But God had made certain promises. God has made promises to Adam. God's made promises to other men. He made promise to Noah. And that word there that we translate remembers means that God continues to keep his promise. That God does not forget to keep his promise. He is ongoing. It is an ongoing thing. He continues to keep the promise he makes to Noah. So the question is not whether God's going to remember us or remember to keep his promises to us. The question is, will we remember God? Will we put him at the top of our thoughts? Will he be the first consideration in every decision, every discussion, everything we do, everything we say. We need to remember the Lord because the Lord is certainly going to remember us. And in the context of Noah and the ark is that God saved them through this flood and this catastrophe, but also that he goes on after that to continue to remember. And so I, I, some of you might not have been here for all of this. The, the, the flood is more than 40 days of rain. It, it's a lot more going on. And so the Bible's going to kind of open that up for us. So in that first verse that I've already read, God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth. And now just stop and think about that a minute. That it, it, when centuries later... Uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt and God opens the Red Sea and, and he divides it and the Bible says he sent a wind and it dried the ground there and they walked across on dry ground. He did it for Joshua at the river Jericho. He opened the river Jericho, stopped it from flowing down, dried it out with a wind. And so here we see that first mention, a wind starting to dry off the earth. And so God made a wind blow over the, over the earth and the waters subsided. And the fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. Now I want you to catch that. And the rain from the heavens was restrained. He didn't let it rain uh, again until all the water had gotten away. And the waters reached, uh, receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. These words are very important in here. And in the seventh month, on the seventh day of the month, the ark came to rest in the mountains of Ararat. And the water continued to abate until the tenth month. In the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. There's a lot there I want you to see. And, and one of them is this idea of the water going away. Uh, if you remember when we described the flood, what is happening is the crust of the earth has split open. Magma is, is blowing up out of, the, uh, out of the earth into the ocean, immediately vaporizing water and sending up these, these huge spews of steam and water into the air. And at the same time, that water blanket that surrounded the earth when, in Genesis, where it says God separated the firmament from the firmament, that's King James language. He lifted the water off the face of the earth and took enough off so there'd be some dry ground there and surrounded the world with a greenhouse 
type covering of water. Well, that fell in, but that is not the only cause of the flood. The flood also happened because the fountains of the deep were broken up. Water that was underground and water that was below came spewing up out of the ground. Now in, in chapter 8, we find out that God stopped the rain from falling. All the rain had fallen down and he closed what was underneath. Now there are vent holes in the bottom of the ocean and the water filters through there and it keeps cleaning the ocean. But he, he, he closed those fissures so that the magma didn't keep blowing out creating new land actually uh, rocky land at least and, and doing all that stuff and so it all settled down finally but now the water is going away it's no rain because there's not enough moisture left in the air for it to rain the water has now begun to evaporate and the cycle of evaporation and rain starts to take place and since the those fissures have closed and the water is not blowing up out from below the water now starts to go down it starts to fill those caverns underground around the world you can dig down deep enough you're going to find water right you got to have a well it was a well well is underground water there's water underneath us as well as in the oceans and lakes so the water is going into those places but i want you to get a sense of how this is working uh, just a little bit of detail for this and that is if you have you ever filled like i'll just say a bathtub and you pull the drain. A bathtub's not the best example. More like a bottle or, or something. And, and all the water's got to go through one place. And especially if there's not a good vent pipe for that thing. It'll back up and it'll blow up. And it'll go down. And then it's doing this number. Well, the same thing is happening on the entire globe. As that water's going down. It's going and washing back and hitting this. And, and so it's, it's constant motion. It's constant action. Remember this, that the mountains are made of sedimentary rock. Sediment is the dirt that is in the water and it settles. So as the water is going away, it's still kind of finely washing all that. But now think also, I, I described this a few weeks ago. If you cross-section the United States, you're standing in Mexico and you cut it in half and looked at it. You got a plain and then two coasts that go downhill. This side out of the Rockies, this side out of the Appalachian uh, chain of mountains going from all the way up into Maine all the way down into Georgia and so you you have that happening because the water is coming and going like that just washing it up washing it up washing it up but all this water on top of that continent is draining off that's how we got the Grand Canyon we got it in 150 days as the water flowed off the continent because what was below it was mud and as it's rushing it found that low point and it rushed through and it cut the Grand Canyon Remember, the headwaters of the river, the Colorado River that runs through the Grand Canyon, are below, geographically, the entrance to the canyon. The Colorado could not have cut that thing. If you were given the billions of years that the evolutionists say the earth has been, which it is not, then you still couldn't cut through the rock in that amount of time. That was all done in 150 days after the flood. That's how we got the Grand Canyon. You go, really? Yeah, really. You say, I don't believe that. Okay, that's fine. You can believe what you want, but I'm just telling you that's how it happened, okay? And so all the caverns, all this stuff that is, is the, as this water is settling and going away. And, and man, I've, I've read so much about this stuff. Uh, it's so much I'd love to go into, but I can't right now. But, but as all this is happening, none of them are still riding the ark. I mean, they're still just floating around on top of the water. Can you imagine? I don't know that Noah ever looked out a window. I don't know if there's even a window on the ark, really. I, I'm sure there was something there. But if he looked out the window, all he's going to see is water. 
And all he's going to ever see is water. And he sees water for 150 days. It's just water. And there's water on top of water. And that's all he sees is water. I think he'd get tired of water after 40 days of rain and, and the sea breaking up, the, ocean, uh, the, the bottom breaking up. Uh, now you've got 150 days just floating around. That has got to be a little bit discouraging. I don't know how he did it. But then in verse 6, we see the earth begins to start drying. Now up there in verse 4, the ark came to rest on Mount Ararat. So after 150 days, the peak of Ararat, the ark gets there and it stops there. But the water continues going away until the 10th month. And then at the end of 40 days, after the ark stops, 150 days, now you're at 190 days, the ark stops plus the 40 before, so that's 230 days. The ark stops on Mount Ararat. He opens the windows of the ark that he had made, and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Now, I want you to catch that. I don't know if you ever noticed that. The raven never comes back to the ark, ever. I mean, you got a long time period still ahead, but the raven never gets back. He said, man, I must have been one strong bird to be able to fly that long. no. A raven is a carrion fowl. It will eat dead things. It'll eat rotten dead things. First thing it's going to do is peck its eyeball and make sure it's dead. Now I said that to entertain the kids and get your attention, all right? So it's just, so it flies, it sees something floating, lands on it, starts eating it. Hey, there's something over there. That looks tasty. Flies over to that. He's, he's just eating dead stuff floating in the water. He never comes back to the ark all that time. Well, Noah, being a smart man, figures out, well, that didn't work so well because it's eating all the dead stuff. So what am I going to do? So we look in the scripture, and after the raven, then he sent forth the dove in verse uh, 8, uh, and uh, from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place set its foot, and she returned to him uh, to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole world. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. First carrier pigeon, right there, okay? He sends out this dove. It can't find any place to land. You know why? Because a dove is a very, 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 very clean bird. I can't think of the name of the organ. I wish I looked it up. I'm going to call it the gizzard, but something like that. A dove does not have. If a dove eats anything foul, bad, poisonous, or diseased, he will die. Because he does not have the, the system to clean it inside his body. So a dove will only eat very clean things. They'll eat live insects because they, they, they're fine. But it won't eat dead stuff. So Noah going, hey, let's send out the dove because the dove's got to get fresh food and we'll see if there's anything out there. So the first time he sends it out, nothing. Comes back. It came back, doesn't have anything with him. Waited another week, sends it out again. This time it comes back with the leaf of an olive tree. The dove found no place. And then um, verse 10, so he waited seven days, sent her forth, uh, the dove out of the ark and the dove came back to him in the evening and in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew the water was going down. He knew it had abated some. So as the water is flowing down, there's this tree and now it's got sunlight. It's got, it's obviously got moisture. It's got water and, and it's still rooted and it starts sprouting leaves and the dove gets the leaf off and brings it back to Noah. Noah goes, okay, we're, we're getting somewhere now. Waits another seven days and sends it out again. So the process is going pretty fast. And that time, in verse uh, 13 or 12, and he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. So the dove found fresh food. So now Noah knows, okay, 
stuff is growing and the trees, the bushes, whatever, are starting to bear fruit and food that the dove can eat. Now, notice verse 13. You got a time stamp here. And, and that was all uh, about the drying earth. And then we have this disembarking that's going to happen. But look at verse 13 and 14. In the 601st year in the first month, in the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Noah is still on that ark. They didn't get off. When the, when the dove didn't come back, they didn't go, okay, it's good, let's, let's go. They waited, and notice the time stamp. God is very specific giving the time. 601 years, the first month and the first day of the month. Now, those 600 years is Noah's lifetime. Noah is 601 years old and one month and one day old. The water had dried on that date. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and there's the ground everywhere. And the second month, on the 27th day of the month, so now he waits two more months, the, the Lord said to Noah, go out from the ark. Now that's the third time God spoke to Noah. First time he said, dude, I'm going to make it rain. And, God, and Noah had to say, what's rain? Because as far as we can tell, it hadn't rained till then. Then, once God explains, he says, you got to build a boat because it ain't going to just rain. It's going to rain bad and it's going to flood. So God explains to him all about the ark. So Noah builds the ark. So then the second thing God ever told Noah was get on the ark. It's fixing to really come down now. So Noah gets on the ark with all the animals and God shuts the door. We, we saw that. This is the third time God spoke, Noah, get off the ark. Now, I don't know if Noah was afraid to get off the ark. Like, is it going to, you know, is water going to come from somewhere? Or is Noah just so obedient that he won't move until God tells him to move? There are some people God tells them to move and they won't move, right? And then there are some people that will move without God ever saying a word. Both those things are equally not good to do. But Noah waits until God says, get off the ark. He's sitting on Ararat. He knows there's food out there. The dove has not come back, so it must be eating good now. Because nothing out there to kill the dove. Everything's on the ark with Noah. There's no hawk that's going to get it. There's no other animal that's going to catch it and kill it. The raven's out there, but the raven's not going to kill it either. Plenty of food for the raven. It's the dove that needs the food. When the dove doesn't come back, everything's fine. You could get off the ark two more months before he ever gets off. Pretty, pretty amazing to me, relative, about two months. And so God speaks for the third time, and life comes back to the world. This is like a recreation almost. As the animals come off the ark, uh, look at verse uh, 16. Go out from the ark, you and your wife, your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply. Now, let me just stop, because I said something last week, and I want to expand on that just, just a little bit. Um, I said last week that all you needed was about 5,000 kinds to reproduce every animal we have. I since then have read other estimations. It could be up to 16,000 of, of kinds, but the estimation is in that range, or let's say five to 16,000 kinds. When you hear the word kind, if you're thinking scientifically, think species. All right? You say 16,000 sounds like a lot. Yeah, but if you take the dimensions of the ark and three decks, you got enough square foot for more than that. So you got food on there that lasts over a year. You've got all the, all the species of animals. So, well, what do you mean by that? And here's what I mean. 
So these animals come off, and there are two dogs. Every dog we got today came from those two dogs. Now, they all, all the dogs in the world today is still a dog. You can have a, a tallest dog in the world, an Irish wolfhound, down to a toy chihuahua, and they both are a dog. And they all came from those first two dogs. Because there is a natural selection. You can breed within a species and get certain things. Get a hair color, get a size, get a temperament, get an ability. My favorite dog in the world was, was bred out in the early 1900s. A little brown dog walked into church. Because back then you didn't have air conditioning, had the windows open. This was in South Carolina. And this guy picked it up, took it to his friend, Dr. Boykin, who liked to, met, he was a physician, but he also liked to breed dogs. And he bred out till he had a Boykin Spaniel. And that's the state dog of South Carolina. It's my favorite breed of dog. But that happened in the 1900s from dogs. Dogs made a new kind of dog, but it's still a dog. So you had a species of dog on the ark. I read one time, I like dogs, that's why I use it as an example. I read one time that Afghan hound is the oldest breed of dog. They believe that's the original dog that came off the ark with Afghan hounds. Now, I would have picked another one personally, but hey, that's good with me. I don't care. But anyway, so you've got all these species that are now coming out of the ark and they're starting to reproduce. You ever wonder why the animals look different in Australia? Well, remember, the fountains are broken up in the deep. Continents are shifting and they continue to shift. They shift today. Mount Everest moves a centimeter, over a centimeter a year. It's still moving. We can't tell because it moves so slowly, but the continents, that's what an earthquake is. That's what a tidal wave is or a, or a tsunami. Is the, is the crust of the earth still shifting and moving a little bit? Things are still in motion from the flood. In fact, that's what made the earth tilt. It might have been straight up before. That would have given, given us a more consistent temperature around the world. But with all these huge earthquakes and magma pouring out from below and rain coming down from above, the earth is rocking and went from straight to rock to an angle. And if you read your modern science, the axis is wobbling. True north is always changing. It's in a wobble. We are not running smoothly. We are wobbling we need, we, we need a front-end alignment because we are still wobbling from the flood. You've got to understand all this. So they look out and life returns to earth and comes back and starts to multiply. And I want you to catch that. God's original intention, today's Mother's Day, and I thank God for moms. My wife's mom raised three children by herself. They're, 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 they're moms that have to do that alone. And, and that's, that's tough. And, and it, to me, it's tragic that when that has to happen or when it happens. But let me just say, God gives grace to help. And God's original intention was for a man and a woman to have children, humanly speaking. And that we raise those children to nurture the knowledge of God. And because of the fall of man and the sinfulness of man, that picture gets broken up so many times. More than, than God would want it to. But it happens because of our sin. But I want you to see what Noah did when he got off the ark. And that's found in verse 20. We see worship and promises. Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. The very first thing Noah does getting off the ark is build an altar and thank God. 
How many clean animals were, went onto the ark? How, seven. I heard somebody whisper it. Seven. Seven times. I did hear somebody whisper that. Seven of clean animals. Two of unclean animals. So if you're a nerd like me, if you're that set, why seven? Because you need, you got three pairs, male and female, and then an extra. The extra is the guy with, red sh- with a red shirt in Star, in Star Trek. He's going to get killed when they beam down to the planet. Just guarantee, you know, you got all the gold shirts, you know, and the blue shirts, and then one guy in a red shirt. That's the guy that's going to get killed by the alien creature, okay? That's just a fact. So Noah takes that seventh animal of every clean kind of animal and sacrifices it to the Lord. Now, I'm the kind of guy, I want more than I need. My, my parents went through the depression. I'm getting old myself. But man, I just, I, I had trouble throwing anything away because that's how I was trained. That's how I was taught. So if I go somewhere... I carry so much more than I need. I carry a book back home and back to the office every day full of stuff I never take out at home or at the office. I don't know why, just in case, you know. It's heavy as all get out. I'm still toting it around. Why? I just want to be prepared. If I was Noah, I only got seven of these. One of y'all is going to have to share because we, we're going to make sure we got enough animals. But no, Noah sacrifices. He he makes a sacrifice. The Bible tells us in Hebrews that we offer a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. That we are thankful to God and we praise God for who he is and what he's done for us. Do you know praise is a sacrifice? Why is it a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice because you've got to admit that you don't have enough to get through. And you thank God he gets you through. Noah is thanking God that he made it through the flood, that, he, that God spared his life and his family's life, and that they made it through, and he's thanking God, and he's sacrificing something he might have needed for food. We, we don't know, but he took one of every clean animal, and he sacrificed it to the Lord. Remember, God remembered us. we got to remember him. And Noah does that, and he thanks God. The least you can do is be thankful to God for what he's done. In your life. Because I, I just know that even in a crowd this size. that Some of y'all might be going through some really tough stuff. Maybe you've been going through it for years. Maybe it's something brand new. But I know this. That God saved Noah through an ark. But God has an ark of safety for you. It's the cross. And the blood that was shed on the cross. Is on the actual ark in heaven. The ark of the covenant. The, where the blood of Christ speaks for us. There on the mercy seat. The place of sin, the place of judgment is the blood of Jesus Christ, according to the scripture. And when I sin, that blood covers my sin. He saves me from the storm that is sin, the storm that is life. He is my Savior and my Lord and my God. And so, if you don't know that safety, listen, you got to run to Jesus. You got to surrender your life to Him. If you want to survive the flood of your life, whatever that is, and it may be total upheaval. Everything's going at once. The cross is your answer. But you come to the cross not to just get that kind of salvation. but get salvation for eternity. This ark saved Noah and his family from a year of flood. But the ark of God, the, the cross of Christ, saves us for an eternity. And I would adjure you, I would plead with you to surrender your life to Christ. But I also want to point something else out at the end here. When the Bible says, uh, back in verse 21, And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, 
For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. In other words, God knows who you are. He knows what you're like. He knows you will fail. Because you will. The Bible says in Psalms that he remembers our frame, that we're just dust. He expects lost people to act like lost people until they become Christians, and then he expects you to act like a Christian. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. I don't care what some politician tells you on the radio or television or internet today about, ooh, if we don't do this, the world's going to burn up. Here's the promise of God. That as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will not cease. Now when we read the end of the book, we find out that after all is said and done, that, that when Jesus returns and he takes his church to himself and he judges the world and he establishes a thousand year reign on this planet, Jesus will rule on this planet, visible to everyone for a thousand years. At the end of a thousand years, everybody born in that thousand years and the demons that have been locked away for a thousand years will be released for one final showdown. Doesn't last long. He knocks Satan down, throws him in the lake of fire and, and judges everybody for life or death. And Peter says when that happens, then God will destroy the worlds and the universe with fire. We talked about that earlier. But notice the promise here is not to kill the living things on this planet. He's not going to do that. Everything that was on this planet is either in heaven or hell. And he will destroy everything he made and make it brand new again. Because the Bible says then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And that one will never be touched by sin. That one will be for eternity. It will be a perfect planet. We can go outside today and we see the beauty of creation. And yet this is the marred version. This is the messed up version. This is the one that somebody went in and, and destroyed it and vandalized it. He, there's coming a day way into the future now where God is going to remake it. But he's going to keep this promise as he does it. He's not going to kill living, the living on the earth doing it. Because we've already died and gone through death. And we're in heaven or hell when that happens. I thought about that. You read that and somebody said, well see, how are you going to have that when you got this? Because that is past life on this earth. But I want you to catch that. I want you not to be afraid. So many people today are afraid. Y'all listen to the news, y'all believe that. I think it was Thomas Jefferson first said, if you don't read the paper, you are uninformed. And if you read the paper, you're misinformed. If you don't listen to the news, you're uninformed. If you listen to the news, you're misinformed. Because no man tells all the truth. Man is a liar. Only God is true. And here's what God promised. That this planet will last. And it will last and it will get hot and cold. It's going to be day and night. It's going to be seed time and harvest. We're going to have rain and drought. Continually. Until Jesus comes back and he fixes it all. Well. This passage, what can you do with all this? Number one, remember the covenant God's made for you. God made a covenant through Christ that all that would come and believe that Jesus is the Lord and he's your Savior, all those that call on that name of Jesus 
will be saved. You can call on him and he will bring you in, but you've got to call him Lord, boss, dictator. You surrender your life to him. And when that happens, you're going to want to worship him with enthusiasm because you know, woo, I made it. I'm on the ark. I'm safe. There may be a storm, but God's going to see me through that storm and I'm going to come out the other end alive and God's going to take care of me. And when I die, I get to go to heaven. And so that leads me to the third thing, trust God's promises. Now, you can't trust a promise you don't know about. So, you got to get into his word and see what his promises are. And when you read what God has promised, you can trust him. You can know that what he said is true and real and right. Trust what he said. And I pray that you will do that. Lord God, in Jesus' name, as we come to the end of this this service, at the end of this uh, sermon, Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts. Lord, that for those of us who know you, that we will trust you more fully as we sang about earlier today as well. Lord, when we need you the most, we trust you more because you have taken care of us. You have, you have blessed us in spiritual places with every spiritual blessing. And so, Lord, we know that we belong to you and you belong to us. But God, there's so many people that don't know you, so many people that don't belong to you, so many people that don't, realize and understand that we come in repentance before you we confess our sin we know that we are liars from birth and that that there's no man that seeks after God and so Lord we can't even seek you without your help and so we are asking you to help us Lord help that one today that does not know you that doesn't even know they don't know you that you would move in their heart and you would let them know that they need to surrender their life to you and Lord, in doing so, I pray that they would know that you've saved them and that, that, God, they can grow in your grace. Lord, we love you and we thank you. You're a wonderful and merciful God. And in the name of Jesus, we pray that we will walk in the light of your promises. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.